Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Uh, Please keep your Bibles open. Uh, We're going to return to that in just a moment. Father God, you made us and you know us. You know every single person here. Thank you uh, that you love us and want relationship with us. And thank you that part of that relationship is hearing from you uh, and that the only way that we can know who you are and what you have to say to us. Uh, So thank you for what you say in your word. Please make us ready to receive from you. And please make our hearts soft uh, to be those who would take it on board and not to throw it away. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, Mike said, uh, we're, we're in this part of Matthew, which is the Sermon on the Mount. You might have heard that before. Uh, it's quite famous, uh, and it's going to be the next couple of chapters of Matthew, but we're just taking it bit by bit, um, so that we can sort of work on a little section. Uh, and this is a bit we've just read. Uh, as I said, we're on the mountainside with Jesus and the disciples. So what Jesus is saying here is for followers of him. Uh, Mike said we need that in our minds because we need to be thinking brand new people when Jesus speaks. That's who he's talking about, that's who he's talking to. What Jesus is describing is true of every Christian. And if you're a Christian here today, it's true of you. Uh, Last week, Mike said we had eight signs of inward change. And that's where the real change started. God's spirit came into their lives uh, through the message of Jesus, his call to say, come and follow me. And it was complete transformation. It started on the inside, but it starts to show. And we saw a bit of that, didn't we, last week? God's people, brand new people, will uh, be seen to have been merciful, uh, where otherwise it would just not be the reaction you'd expect. Or God's people would be peace-loving and peacemaking. And actually, they'd be people who'd be willing to be persecuted for the kind of things they believe. So it's starting to show, isn't it, on the outside? Uh, It starts inward, but it's starting to show. And actually, in these four verses, they're really, you know, we can just gloss over them quite quickly. Think, okay, yeah, I've heard that before. But Jesus uses two examples, which we're going to look into tonight, to describe the outward impact of every Christian. And actually, there's a real power, there's a penetration to... God's people when when they're in the world. And we're going to see that from these two pictures. Uh, You'll see them in verse 13. Um, Verse 13 starts, you are the salt of the earth. That's the first picture. And verse 14, in the very next verse, there's another one. You are the light of the world. Two pictures, salt and light. And then Jesus gives us the reason why he's talking about them in verse 16. So I don't think we're going to get too lost in what he's saying. I got that? 
Salt, light, explanation. Okay. Uh, but before you know, these pictures, we need to see that they show us something about the world. Uh, so we're going to do that first. If we're going to understand what Jesus is saying about salt and light, we need to see that the world needs those things. If, if we don't think the world needs them, we might as well just go home. Okay? So why does the world need those things? Well, here's a picture. Um, thankfully, this isn't me in that car at the front. Uh, but you can see everyone else has noticed that the, it's got, getting dark, isn't it? Maybe you can see the sun's going down. Everyone else set out at a time when it was dark. They thought it's dark, switch the lights on. It's almost like knee-jerk reaction, isn't it? Automatic, you turn your lights on when you get in the car and it's dark. The person in the front, what's happened there? Well, they've set out earlier on in the day. And you will know this if you drive. It's, it's the most dangerous thing to drive for a long journey because by the time it gets dark, you've forgotten that you don't have your lights on. So actually, it's really important that we see what Jesus is saying about a world in darkness. Because if we don't see the darkness, if we don't notice that it's dark, then we're not going to need the lights. You see that? It's, just, it's pretty important that person knows. That's why everyone else going the other direction is going, come on, lights on, it's dark. Um, so it's pretty important. So the first thing we see is that Jesus... The reason you need light is because there's great darkness. Um, and I put this picture up here because it's actually not what people tend to say, is it, about the world around us. It's not what people tend to believe. If you chat to people, they might say, yeah, there are some pretty nasty things that go on. But essentially, we're getting better and better as people. We're, you know, we're just going to be better the further on we go. And the future is bright. So I've taken that slogan from Donald Trump, make America great again, I've turned it into make Beckendry great again. And if you listen to the kind of things that politicians are saying in, in their new campaigns, it's not, it's not this is a dark world, is it? It's we, the future's bright. And as society, we can do better. And so there's a real belief that we have it in ourselves. We're strong enough to come pull through. And to get rid of all of that ugliness, that darkness, that evil that we had. And tomorrow is going to be better. Um, so that put that up. But that is in stark contrast, isn't it, to what Jesus is saying about the world. Which is that the world is in darkness. Uh, without God, they are in darkness. And actually, it's because they've rejected the true light, which is God himself. As far as God's truth is concerned, people can't even see the, the, the hand in front of their face. That's how dark it is. Far from being able, able to rise above their past, they've slid deeper into denial and moral decay. And so I put that, a world of darkness and decay. Um, why has this gone off the screen? Do we know? Uh, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter one twenty one. If someone can give me a page number. It's 
So on one side of things, we've got people saying, make Beckentree great again, and thinking that that's the truth about what we see. 909? 939. And then on the other side of things, we've got what Jesus says about the world, yeah? And what God says about the situation. And these are two, just two uh, verses that I think will help us to frame that. Uh, The first one is here, Romans chapter 1, 21. It says this. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile, useless in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So you see, they they did not honour God or give thanks to him. And the result of that is that their thinking and their, their hearts, their desires, were foolish and darkened. And actually, that's the spiritual state that Jesus is describing. Yeah. Next one. Uh, this is what Jesus says. He says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world in Jesus. People love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Jesus is saying this is the situation. People would prefer darkness so that their deeds wouldn't be exposed, so people wouldn't see, so they can carry on doing the things that they want to do, basically, without God in the world. But can you see, it's, it's, it's this kind of direction that Jesus is describing and what we should expect, not this kind of direction, which is what we want to believe but is not going to get us anywhere. Okay? That's the first thing, a world of darkness and decay. And the decay is the the type of thing that you'd expect salt to be needed for, isn't it? So salt stops things going off. Stuff starts to stink when there's no salt. And it preserves things. And actually, in terms of morality, people are saying, yeah, we can do what we like. And then it it goes off, starts to stink. So that's that's the picture that, that we have here. A world of darkness and decay. It's our world. And what's it need? It needs the salt and light of God. Um, the second thing then uh, is on your sheets. I think we're back up and running. So Jesus has two words for them. He says, you are the salt of the earth to these Christians. And then he says, you are the light of the world. Now I'm talking about both, but let's just focus on that one. You are the light of the world. These, these bunch of disciples, these few people, they're the light of the world. Well, God's people were always told that they would be light. Uh, in Isaiah, it's on your sheet, 49 verse 6, it says this. I will make you as light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And now Jesus, having proven himself as true Israel, he sends out others with the same task. Uh, We saw, didn't we, that they will be fishers of men and they will point people to Jesus. Now, we're we're quite used to Jesus saying, I'm the light of the world, aren't we? Has anyone heard that before? (coughs) It's pretty famous. Jesus saying, I'm the light of the world. That's uh, in John 8 verse 12, I think I put it on the sheet. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
And so Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. And it is mind-blowing, isn't it, that he turns to this group of 12 ordinary men and he says to them, you are the light of the world. Can you imagine being there? Jesus turning to you and saying, if you're a Christian, you are the light of the world. They were, who, me? You know, that kind of reaction. Um, there's a few verses, sorry. You are the light of the world. And notice there that that's what they are. Jesus didn't say, uh, listen, I want you to be light and this is how you shine. He's not saying that. He's saying you are the light of the world. That is what you are. And it should really amaze every single Christian here today that Jesus says that about you. That you are the light of the world. It's extraordinary. Um, someone wrote in a book just as Jesus was able to say that he always did the things that pleased the father as true Israel the real son so all those who live under his kingly rule they're grafted into Christ the real vine to produce that good fruit which brings glory to the heavenly father Um, we'll get to this bit in a minute so, Hannah said, didn't she, as light, light has a purpose, doesn't it? Everything has a purpose, and light is visible. That's got to be the, the most obvious thing, hasn't it? Light is visible, and it, brings vis- it makes things visible. Um, and so, being seen is not really an option for light. It's not sort of, okay, I'm going to be a light one day that's not seen, and the next day I'm going to be a light... The scene, it's not really an option, is it? And actually, it's not an option for Christians. Um, Christians who are authentic disciples will always be, and Jesus describes it as a city set on a hill. Wherever you are, you can see it. Uh, What's more, this is actually our defining purpose. That's what God says you are. So, really, there is, this is the purpose for your life, to be seen and to show people the light of Jesus. And that's how clear it is. Jesus says, you don't have a lamp that you just put under a bowl. Why do that? You put it on a stand so that it gives light to the whole house. And that leads us to our third point. Uh, Let your light shine before men. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes, often, I'm not always keen to stand out for being a Christian, okay? There are situations where I just don't want to stand out for being a Christian. And And we get a sense that actually it wasn't going to be easy for the disciples, Jesus hasn't sugarcoated what it's going to be like for them. In the last couple of verses, 10 to 12, he said that they will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. So he's not saying, hey, this is going to be okay, this is going to be easy. Actually, in a strict Jewish society, they're going to stand out like a sore thumb. If you think about it, 
what's most often said about the disciples. Why do your disciples not? Or why do your disciples do that? Everyone's sort of scrutinising what they do and saying, why do they do that? And actually, it's the same today, isn't it? Because people would say, why do Christians not do that? Or why do they do that? Jesus is saying, actually, that this is exactly what's meant to happen. As light is meant to be seen. High visibility is not optional. Christians are to be seen. But he also knows that a low-profile option might be tempting for Christians. And in both examples, he explains how ridiculous it would be, but how ineffective it makes us. Okay, So there's two things he says. He says salt can lose its taste. Yeah, and then it's thrown out. And it all, he also says that a light can be put under a bowl. Okay, so we're going to look at those two things, and that's the final thing we're going to do. So that's point three. Here we go, the disciples. Who us? We're the light of the world. It's daunting, scary. And I put these two things here. So the two, I've summarised them as fitting in, losing the taste, or sitting in. And hopefully you understand what I mean by that. So the two dangers, if you don't want to be seen, there's only two options really as a Christian. Fitting in or sitting in. Or sitting in is what you're doing now, by the way. So uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Fitting in. uh, Here here they are. The world around. Christian is going to be seen to be different. And a good example of that is when I moved away from home. And I went to live with friends or or met new people where I went away to and I lived with them. And I'd left all my family and left my Christian friends back where I moved from and I moved into a new place. And that situation is the most obvious one, isn't it? Where you're in close proximity with people and they're going to, well, they're going to notice that you're a Christian. Why do you not do that? Why do you do that? It's not like it's optional. They're going to see it. And, uh, and so when they start to notice, the, de- the temptation is this, isn't it? Have a look. Slowly but surely thinking, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Being the one who stands out. So, so it would be much easier if I just went along and did everything that everyone else did. And I'm, spe- I'm speaking particularly to young people here because actually I think this is the real thing, that, the struggle that young Christians have because if they are Christians, people are going to notice. And that is the kind of thing that would make it less visible. People would not notice you as much. Um, yeah? That's the first one. Second one is this. And I think this is the real danger, more of a danger for Christians who've been Christians for a while, maybe some adults too. Um, Sitting in. So we've had fitting in, sitting in. Verse 15, let me read it to you. It says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. 
putting a lamp under a bowl. Um, the second avoidance is, well, if you want to conceal light, you've got to hide it, haven't you? You've got to remove it from view. And what better place than to do it in a church? <laughs> yeah? If you're a Christian, the best place to hide is in the church. With other lights. Yeah? Other Christians. And so it is actually the safest place, the easiest place for you to be. And so the real danger for... I think the, the more common danger is not to compromise on being a Christian. But just not to be in the world. Not to actually... To completely separate ourselves. And to live outside of the normal. Um, I don't know if you found this, but let's call it the Cozy Christian Club. Because it's really quite easy to belong to a church. You're out twice a week. You make new friends. You may have left a few other groups behind to make some space, but now you're settled in a wonderful family. Okay, And Jesus says, that's not what you are. If you're a Christian, you're a light, and you're a light to the world. Um, that's what you were meant for. Uh, what if I were to tell you that the entire time we'd been sitting here, every single light bulb in my house had been blazing away to an empty house? Yeah? And as Mike demonstrated earlier on, it would be even more ridiculous, wouldn't it, if we were here, a room full of people, sat in darkness... Every light bulb on in that place, an empty place, and this room, where loads of people are in darkness. Well, picture that, because that is what we do if we keep ourselves away from a dark world, if we don't really engage with non-Christians, and actually if we don't really want to engage with non-Christians. How absurd that would be. And actually, I think, not only that, but the climate activists, they'd be furious with me. Christians are the light of the world, and that means bringing light. That's what they're there to do. For that to happen, they need to let their light shine. What does it say in verse 16? Can someone read it in the same way? Let your light shine before others. So they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in Two words, before others. It's it's assumed that your light is shining. You are the light of the world. It's assumed that you have good deeds, that you will be doing good to others. The two words that, that really stand out, before men. Not here, out there. Before men. Let your light shine before men. And that will bring some difficulty. But Jesus finishes up by saying that there will be those who see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's the result of it. Some people who will see that and will give glory to your Father in heaven. Okay, let's, let's have a think about what this means for us. We've seen, haven't we, that the purpose of every Christian is bringing light 
the light of knowing Christ to a world that is in darkness. But what does this mean for you? Uh, Maybe you're not a Christian yet. Uh, I'll put this picture up because I think the real encouragement to you is to go by what what Jesus says about the world around you. Don't go by the slogans or the, you know, building ourselves up and saying we can do this. The future isn't bright if it's a future without him. You're walking in darkness and see that Jesus is the light. And his promise is if you follow him, you will never walk in darkness. And maybe you've been in church a lot and that picture, sorry about the bit underneath. Um, that picture, a cosy Christian club. That's, that's not the picture that Jesus is giving here, is it? Let your light shine before others. And actually, where you'd be able to admit you've no real concern for those who are living in darkness, then you're probably still in darkness. In fact, you are, because you're not, you're not a Christian, according to Jesus. It would be good to be honest about that and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm not doing that. Uh, If you are following Jesus, um, see that your purpose, your only purpose really, is to be light. To share the gospel with other people and for them to see the difference in you. And shine before others so that others will glorify your Father. And actually, this is what I love about people in this church. Uh, You're a huge example to me of putting your light before others. Because there's not a week that goes past when I don't hear of a conversation with a colleague, a neighbour, a family member, a friend. You are an example to me of what it means to put your light before others. And... Uh, What it shows is that actually people are close enough to you for long enough to notice something about you that's different. And this challenged me this week because I battled the urge to say cooped up at a desk with a cup of coffee and not seek people on this estate. To not even put myself out to others and to spend time with them. Uh, and actually prep likes this sermon and uh, the recent wet weather and winter cold well that makes it so much easier to justify doesn't it being indoors actually that's really to hide I know Verona said last week that it's hard being a Christian in a secular workplace a secular family, a secular neighbourhood but doesn't hearing Jesus say this about you assure you that it's the best place for you. And it's, in fact, it's actually exactly where he wants you to be. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the light that shines in the darkness. Thank you that you come into uh, the lives of ordinary people and that you give them this amazing uh, purpose.
for every part of their lives that it's not two hours on a Sunday, it's the 166 other hours of the week where we get to shine for you, where we get to uh, show people the light of the gospel and, have, and all that you have done in our lives. Thank you that we get to point to salvation, that there is hope in you, that you can save them from their sin, that the rebellion can stop and that there will be no more darkness. Uh, we pray that you would help us this week as we talk to each other after the service to, to really believe that, and have confidence in what you say. Amen. Amen. Uh, we have a little bit of time now for questions. Um, I'm absolutely certain that something I said just didn't make sense. <laughs>